It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. In 1975, a young director by the name of George Lucas began to conceive and write the story of a young boy by the name of Anakin Skywalker. As he wrote more and more, his idea became a full script of six movies, two trilogies. He presented his idea to many studios. Almost all of them rejected his idea as silly. One studio, however, 20th Century Fox went out on a limb to support his idea. Work immediately began on the second of those trilogies, and in May of 1977, Star Wars A New Hope was released. It became the highest grossing film of all time at the time. The second movie followed in 1980 with The Empire Strikes Back. And then the third movie, Return of the Jedi, debuted in 1983. The Star Wars trilogy became a timeless classic appealing to all ages. It was so successful because it depicted the classic battle of good versus evil. Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. Toys, games, comics, all came exploding with the growth of the brand. Then in 1999, after 16 years, the prequel trilogy debuted, giving the history of the birth of evil. In 2015, after 10 years and the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney, the sequel trilogy began with The Force Awakens. And in 2016, began the anthology films. Make no mistake about it. This classic battle of good versus evil falls into the movie genre of science fiction. And that is exactly what it is, fiction. And by using the illustration of these movies and sharing the title with this series, I am in no way suggesting that you view any of these films because the reality is, friends... We do not need to watch some film to experience Star Wars. Each and every day, we all live in a Star Wars battle of good versus evil. It is played out in our own very lives. There is a constant struggle between right and wrong, and the events unfolding around us are a demonstration of that battle between good and evil. Many questions arise as we talk about good and evil. One, where did it begin? Two, when did it begin? Three, how will it end? And what is my role in this whole situation? But the most important question is, who or what will be victorious? Over the next several weeks, we will delve behind the scenes and explore the foundational events of history that define the battle of good versus evil and its impact not only for each of us personally and globally, but also for the very universe at large. Now first, 
we must clearly identify who the players are in this battle of good versus evil. Now, the Bible gives clear evidence to the rise of evil and the development of this battle between good and evil. Now, someone watching It Is Written for the first time might ask, how can I trust the Bible? I'd encourage you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you can go to our archives and find the program, The Book That Couldn't Be Silenced. Or you can go to our YouTube page and find it there. You see, this book, the Bible can be trusted, and it tells the story of good versus evil. Who are the players in this great battle of good and evil? Jesus himself defines clearly who is good in this battle and who is the author of all good things. In fact, in Matthew, the 19th chapter and verse 17, he says this, No one is good but one, that is God. And then as we go to the Old Testament, Psalm 52 outlines the reality. The goodness of God endures continually. And Psalm 145 and verse 9 goes on to state this. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. And then James chapter 1 and verse 17 makes this very promise. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And in one of the most quoted Bible passages, 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 16, it says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The Bible is crystal clear. God is good. He is holy and he is love. We could spend an entire show, in fact, an entire series, delving further into the depths of God's love and goodness. But today, I'm looking to simply establish that God is good. Yet there is also evil in the world. How did that happen? The book of Revelation tells the story, a tragic story, in fact. Somehow, in some way, there was war in heaven. When did this all come to be? In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 12, and beginning in verse 7, the Bible says this, And war broke out in heaven. Just that phrase alone should raise our eyebrow. How could there be war in heaven? Now, we'll talk about that in just a moment. The verse continues on. Michael and his angels fought the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. There's war in heaven. There's Michael. There's a dragon. Angels fighting. Verse 8 goes on. But they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. In a fascinating turn of events, the Bible says that there was war in heaven. Why was there war in heaven? And where did this dragon come from? Today, my friends, we will look and find the answer to that question. 
Why do bad things happen to good people? We are going to talk about this dragon. Who is the dragon that the Bible calls a serpent, the devil and Satan? So who is the devil? Where did he come from? How was he in heaven? The book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, gives us the beginnings and the history of the evil one. Ezekiel, chapter 28, outlines for us the history of this foe. Beginning in verse 11, the Bible says this, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery storms. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The first question that comes to mind as we read this passage, what in the world does the king of Tyre have to do with the battle of good versus evil? Now, as we look at this passage, friends, we will become aware that everything is not as it seems. So let's look at the passage. The first two verses tell us very quickly that this is a word from the Lord and is directed to the king of Tyre. Now, Tyre was one of the main city-states of the Phoenician Empire. It is found in the area of what would be known today as modern-day Lebanon. Tyre was known for its abundance of rich merchandise, The king of Tyre is the one who supplied King David with the cedars of Lebanon to build the palace. Yet with all their rich merchandise, they worshipped many gods, including Baal. Jezebel herself was the daughter of the king of Tyre. And so a word of the Lord has come to Ezekiel and he is to take up a lamentation. The word here, lamentation, means a poem. It is a poem that tells of the impending destruction that is about to come. And as we read further, we must begin to wonder about this identity of the king of Tyre. As this lamentation is brought against the king of Tyre, we see clearly some of the characteristics of the king of Tyre revealed. The text plainly outlines he was the seal of perfection. He was full of wisdom. He was perfect in beauty. He was in the Garden of Eden. Every precious stone was his covering. He was the anointed cherub who covers. He was on the mountain of God. Now, friends... I need to ask you, does this sound like any human being to you? Going from the last description to the first, 
we see that he was on the mountain of God and he was the anointed cherub who covers. Throughout the Old and New Testament, the phrase mountain of God refers to God's kingdom or his dwelling place. Did the literal king of Tyre live in heaven? The text states he was the anointed cherub who covers. Now, a cherub is a special classification of angelic being. And this cherub is the one who covered the throne. In the instructions of Exodus 25 and verse 18, given to Moses to build the earthly wilderness sanctuary, and specifically the Ark of the Covenant, we find a description of two cherubim that were to cover the Ark of the Covenant and specifically cover the mercy seat. Now, Scripture tells us that the earthly sanctuary is a copy and symbolic of the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells. So is this the literal king of Tyre? Is he an angel? The being talked about here in Ezekiel 28 is a very special being. The language used is symbolic. It is symbolic to describe the history of the war of good versus evil. This symbolic story tells us the events of the history of the battle of good versus evil. It tells us about the birth of the dragon. He was one of the two covering cherubim and he walked in the midst of God's throne. And not only that, this angelic being was the seal of perfection. The Bible says he was full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, and he walked in the Garden of Eden. This angel was important. It is here where we learn a very important principle of prophecy. And that is, sometimes God uses earthly situations to symbolize heavenly realities. Friends, this is clearly a symbolic narrative of a heavenly angel. And this heavenly angel is important for he was the one who covered the very throne of God. According to Psalm 104 and verse 4, it is God who created the angels. So this important angel is working with God, is beautiful in stature. But then something terrible happened. Verses 15 and 17 tell us of that terrible happening. The Bible says you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And then skipping to verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. This angel was perfect until iniquity was found in him. The word iniquity in Hebrew literally means injustice or wrongdoing. Somehow, this being's perfection was marred. Verse 17 reveals what his iniquity was, what his injustice was. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The pride, my dear friends, the pride of his beauty, the pride of his wisdom, it corrupted him. Who is this angel? Who is this one who was perfect and then became prideful? We need to look to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the 14th chapter. And we find further insight into his tragic story. Beginning in verse 12, it says this. 
how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This angel, whose name is Lucifer, was perfect, beautiful in stature. He was full of wisdom. He is the one who stood next to the very throne of God. The Bible says he now is a sinner who has allowed pride to enter his heart. He has actually thought himself to be above the Almighty God. Friends, we see now with clarity that Lucifer, an angel created by God who was the seal of perfection and full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, the one who was in the Garden of Eden, the one whose head was covered with every precious stone. He was the anointed cherub who covers. He was on the mountain of God. Pride entered his heart. He thought himself to be above God. And because of his sin and his rebellion, it spread throughout the heavens like a cancer. The Bible says a third of the angels followed him and waged war in heaven. It was then that Michael, the archangel of God, challenged Lucifer. We can see through a careful study of Scripture, by the way, that Michael the archangel is actually Jesus Christ, taking the form of the creature he is trying to save. It is he and the remaining angels that stay faithful and wage war and win the war against Lucifer. They cast Lucifer, who is now Satan, the devil, the father of lies. He, along with the other fallen angels, are cast out of heaven and to this earth. This is how the conflict began. But many will ask me this question. It's another why question. Why did God create Lucifer with the ability to make wrong choices? Why did God create him with the ability to disobey? Friends, God and the very essence of his character is outlined in 1 John. God is love. And here is a fundamental picture we must understand. In order for love to truly be love, love gives you the ability to say yes, but also gives you the ability to say no. One of the riskiest propositions that's faced by any human being is when a decision is made to bring a child into the world. Now, when your child was brought into this world, Your child was brought with what we call free will. Your child could accept you or your child could reject you. And with God, it is the same. When God creates beings, the very essence of the government of God is his love. God wants people to love him because they want to love him. God doesn't want to simply create robots. Imagine for a moment that in fact, that is how life worked. That when your child was born, your child was nothing more than a mere robot. You programmed your child on a daily basis to be obedient and to love you. 
Now I know at first that might sound appealing, but I want you to think more deeply to the ramifications of that. While there might be that beauty of that child listening all the time, think more deeply. Because at some level would be this reality. That your child loves you because you programmed it to love you. Not because your child wanted to love you. You see, this is why God, when he created, he creates us not as robots or puppets, but he creates us with the ability to say yes or to say no. Lucifer wasn't satisfied with the freedom of choice that God provided for him. The Bible says that he desired something more. Not only did he want to sit on the throne of God, but he actually wanted to sit above the throne of God. My dear friends, if we could understand this verse and what it means, it would resolve some of life's greatest problems. The greatest problems in life are faced when we make a decision that our way is better than God's way. And in essence, that is what happened in heaven when Lucifer said, wait a second, I think I can govern better than God. Wait a second here. Why do I have to follow all these rules? I certainly know how to rule better than God. I could be above God. And in that moment, Lucifer began to transition. Lucifer, not being satisfied with his opposition to God, began to sow seeds of discord in heaven, and he began asking questions. Imagine for a moment what those questions were like to the other angels. Don't you think that I could rule better than God? And he began sowing the seeds of discord. Lucifer desired a higher position. He desired an exalted throne. He desired rulership and dominance. Lucifer questioned God's very authority, and he questioned God's fairness. I want you to think about that. It's the ultimate catch-22. You are not just, and you are not fair. So how does God demonstrate his justice and demonstrate that he's fair at the same time? Lucifer didn't see God as his friend, but he viewed God as a rival. So how would God face the challenge of Lucifer? Why wouldn't God just destroy evil before it had the chance to spread? I want to paint a hypothetical picture. Let's just pretend for a moment that the local MP accused the prime minister of embezzling money. Then the next day, after his accusations were made public, soldiers sent by the prime minister showed up at his home. They went into his home, they handcuffed the MP, they took the MP out of his home, and there in the street, while the cameras were rolling, they executed that MP. Let me ask you a question. Would you trust the prime minister after that? In fact... I would imagine you would have bigger questions about the prime minister. It would raise questions amongst many people that maybe, maybe this prime minister actually had something to hide. If God simply would have destroyed Satan on the spot, then the questions would have arisen by the angels. Well, maybe God isn't fair. Maybe God's justice isn't really just. So God had to answer the question of Lucifer. And the only way to answer that question, unfortunately for us, is time. 
You see, in the moment that Lucifer made a decision to disobey God, to leave God's governance, to create war in heaven, Lucifer transformed himself from Lucifer, the perfect angel created by God, to Satan, the arch deceiver, the great devil, the serpent of old. In that very moment, he went from God's creation to the creation of his own. God did not create Satan. God created Lucifer, who was good, perfect, full of beauty, the covering cherub. Satan. Satan made himself through his own choices. For the next few weeks, we'll explore the history of this war. We will look at this star war and see what it means for us today. And although our study explored a conflict that began thousands and thousands of years ago, it is a conflict that wages on even today. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 has these words of promise. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Friends, there is hope for today. It's found in the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. This war has been won by Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus. Today, I want to invite you, place your trust in him and you will have the victory. Heavenly Father, even though there is a wily foe, the devil, roaming about this world like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, we have the hope in your son, Jesus, the one who overcomes the devil, the one who overcomes the roaring lion. Today, may we place our faith and our trust in Jesus. May we give our hearts to him that we might enjoy the safety of his arms, the one who has overcome. May we enjoy victory in him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, the beginning of the great epic Star Wars that's happening in the universe today is a fascinating development of the battle between good and evil. Today, I want to offer you the magazine, The Great Controversy of Good and Evil is Nearly Over. As you peruse the pages of this magazine, you'll see chapters like War in Heaven, God's Rescue Plan, and The Final Conflict. You'll want to read this magazine. It will give you hope and joy for this time. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca that's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. 
Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. My dear friends, in the great battle of good versus evil, the testimony of the scriptures is this. Jesus wins. Good wins. I encourage you to choose Jesus today. I hope you enjoyed the program today. I invite you to join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.